there. Welcome to another life-transforming sermon with Dr. Dazwit Achero. Now, we have been looking at why, sorry, the types of people in the church, but today I want to go deeper. Remember, this is our year of loving. Talk to me, this is our year of? And today I want to start something that hopefully I can finish next Sunday part one because this coming Sunday is conference Sunday. But I want us to look at why we must love the church. Why we must love the church. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this moment you've granted to us. Speak to us. Speak to me. Speak to all of us. Use me, oh God, to declare your oracles to your people. May your word explode in their spirits. May they be challenged. May they be blessed. May they be healed. May ignorance be removed from their heads. I pray, oh God, that may you inform them. May you give them revelation concerning your church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Shout a big amen. amen. Now, people love different things, isn't it? Yeah, today when I was driving, coming to church, I saw guys on motorcycles. So many, you know, on the road. People love different things. Those guys love motorcycles. The way they were intimidating us. You know, some of them have this big exhaust pipe, you know, and it produces such a sound that intimidates you if you have a small car like the one I drive. <laughs> so people love different things. There are people who love watching movies. I mean, they can stay the whole day uh, watching movies, you know, especially series. They watch the whole day, they watch the whole night, they wake up, shower, and go to work, you know, because they're addicted to movies. There are people who love traveling. I mean, traveling is their thing. They can be in different places in a week. It's like their hobby. They love it so much. There are people who love food. When they are stressed, they eat. When their hearts are broken, they eat. When they want to do something exciting, they eat. So they just love food. I can hear a strong yes from this side. You know, there are people who love clothes. There are people who love shoes. People love different, you know, types of things or kinds of things in the world. But as a Christian, in addition to what you love, you need to love the church. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, love the church. Do you realize that the church is not that loved in the world today? I see it all the time, especially when we go for outreach, you can just sense hostility, you know, towards evangelism. When you try to reach out to people, when you go to their houses, when you knock on their doors, you can just sense hostility from people. Some of them, when you give them flyers, as soon as you leave their presence, they tore it into pieces or they tear it into pieces and throw it down. Um, people kinda don't really, you know, love the church. Now, some of them even despise you for what you're doing. They think you're idle. They think you have nothing else to do. Uh, they think uh, if you had something very important to do, uh, you will not be on the streets trying to talk to them about the church. Generally, people hate the church. Now, when it comes from unbelievers, it is understandable. But what has also surprised me the most is the response from the so-called Christians when we go out there to do outreach. Many of the Christians we meet, you know, as we go out for outreach, are very belligerent. They are very hostile. It's a word, eh? They're very hostile, you know. Some of them, you know, they feel like you want, um, you want to convert them. They feel like you want to take away 
uh, their members or their families or their friends away from them. And so they become very, very uh, uncouth with the way they uh, deal with you. You know, some of them have a very nasty attitude, very terrible, bad attitude. They, they, they demonstrate a lot of disgust or bile towards you. You know, and you wonder, why are they doing this? They are supposed to be on our side because we are doing the same thing. We are trying to bring people into the kingdom of God. If Christians fight churches, if Christians, you know, don't support the initiative to bring others who are lost into the church, what makes you think and believers will get interested with the church? They will not get interested with the church. Because they will see that we are fighting one another. Uh, we don't want the church to increase. We don't want the church to build or to be built or to become effective in the community. And so when it comes from Christians, I am baffled. I'm just surprised. And that's what we see. And you can see that generally people don't really love the idea of the church. Now, many ex-church members hate the church because they were in the church and they were disappointed. Some of them hate the church because of offenses. Some of them hate the church because of unmet expectations. They were in church, and there were things they thought God will do in one week, and he didn't do it, so they got offended and left. Or some of them were in church, and they thought God is going to perform a miracle in five years, and they stayed in the church, and nothing happened, and so they got offended, and they left. Some of them left because they didn't like a decision that was taken by the leadership of the church. Some of them left because there was a misunderstanding between them with another sister in the church or another brother in the church. Some of them left because they have wounds that they received while they were in church. Some of them left because of a broken relationship. They were dating and people knew they were going to get married and everybody was happy and then the relationship screeched to a halt and then it broke and so they cannot handle the shame. They cannot answer the question so they decide to leave and so they are broken and they are very, very bitter towards the church. Some leave because of the comments that were made concerning their lives or how they live. So all these things make some people leave the church and they hate the church. But look, I want to share, I want to tell you this. Just because you've had a bad experience in the church does not mean that you should hate the church. Can I say that again? Just because you had a bad experience in the church, you know, it doesn't justify you hating the church. You should not hate the church because you had an experience in the church. Because sometimes we have experiences in the church with people who are in the church, but they are not born again. Or with people in the church, but they are Trojan horses. Or people in the church who have just visited, but they are not committed to the church. So just because you had a nasty experience does not mean you should hate the church. You hate everybody, you hate the pastor, you hate the church. When you see a church building, you feel like throwing up. When you see a pastor preaching on TV, you switch it off. When you see somebody, you know, evangelizing in the bus, you want to shut them down because of an experience that you had in church. Church is still good. In church is a blessing. Even if you say yes or you don't say yes, it's true. Church is good. Let me give you an example. For example, love is a beautiful thing. Love is a very beautiful thing. In fact, I can't imagine the world without love. 
Love is a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful virtue that God has given to humanity. People fall in love. People love each other. People date. Some get married, some date, and it never leads to marriage. Or some get married, and then the five, first five years is fantastic. They are living on the moon, on cloud nine. And then the sixth year, everything goes haywire. And there is pain, there is disappointment, there is separation, there is divorce, and hearts are broken, and people go different directions. And look, even, even if it happens like that, it doesn't mean that love is bad. Love is still good. I'm telling you. Love is still good. You see, the way you are responding is like you don't believe what I'm saying. But, 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 but love is good. Love is a fantastic thing. Yeah, me, I want to be loved. If you don't want to be loved, that's your problem. Me, I want to be loved. I want to be around people who love me and are excited to be around me. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Because love is a beautiful thing. It's through love that you find companionship. Yes, you find somebody that can, you can share your fears with, you can share your life with, you can talk to, hallelujah, you can laugh with. It's, it's through love that you find security, that you can actually talk to somebody and trust them and know that this person will not sell you out. This person, I mean, you can share with this person your weaknesses and, 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 and your flaws and what you're going through, and this person will cover you because the Bible says that love covers a multitude of sins. I, I'm telling you, there's something about, there's like a feeling that love gives you. Whoosh, Lord, have mercy. That feeling is powerful. How many have fallen in love here before? You remember the first time you fell in love? Tell me how it was. Jeez, what a feeling. I know you've become a legend, you have forgotten. But let me tell you, if I can just take you back. The feeling was fantastic. And, 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 and sometimes you couldn't even understand how you feel. You thought you were sick. You thought you had malaria. You thought you had fever. You thought you had a running stomach. You thought, but you are okay. It's the feeling that gripped you. It's a nice feeling. Oh, my God. Remember how you went to bed? Smiling. Sleeping while smiling. You wake up, you're excited. Remember how you rushed to the phone to check if a message has gone through? Oh, the feeling. It's a fantastic feeling, isn't it? Remember how he called you and you picked the phone. And you say, hello. How did you feel? It's a nice feeling. So love is good. Somebody telling you I love you. It's a fantastic feeling. Praise the Lord. And so just because some of the experiences you have gone through in the name of love have hurt you and broken you and made you think otherwise, it does not mean that love is a bad thing. Love is still good. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Because it is people who corrupt love. It is people who tell you they love you, but at the back of their mind, they mean something else. But because they use the word love, you trust them. Relationship with me so that I may hurt you. Will you say yes? You will not say yes, isn't it? But they hide their intention through love because they know if I say I love you, you will believe what I'm saying. So love remains to be a good thing. It's the same with church. Church is a good thing. Church is a blessing. And just because you had a bad experience in the church does not mean that church is bad. 
There are people who stay at home, they don't go to church because of the experience they had in church. But let me tell you, church is good. Church is a blessing. And you should love the church. Tell your neighbor, love the church. Tell them one more time, love the church. Tell them one more time, love the church. You see, God uses everything. The Bible says all things work together for good. God uses everything in the church to make you a better person. He, he, he will use the wounds that you, you get in the church, the hurts that you get in the church, the disappointments that you get in the church, the betrayal that you get in the church to make you a better person. God will use all the, all things work together for good. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. All things work together for good. Everything, nothing is lost. God takes every experience that you go through to make you a better person. Amen. All these experiences are to stretch you, they are to mold you, they are to refine you, they are to mature you, they are to make you, you know, attain the, the stature, the measure, and the fullness of Jesus Christ. Because in the eyes of God, no experience is lost. He will use everything to make you a better person. Hallelujah. It's through an experience that you learn some things. You will learn too quickly. I trusted too quickly. Oh, this guy, I didn't even know him, and I believed in him. It's through experience that you learn so many things. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Am I making sense this morning? So God will use all your experiences that you go through, including the ones you go through in church, to make you a better person. But it doesn't mean that church is bad. Church is a good thing. Church is a blessing. Hallelujah. You see, the composition of the church is imperfect people serving a perfect God and striving to conform to his nature. And I say that again. The composition of the church is imperfect people serving a perfect God and striving to conform, to conform to his nature. This church we are talking about is not full of perfect people. It's full of imperfect people who are serving a perfect God, and they are trying to conform to his nature and to his image. Look at the neighbor and tell them, I'm not perfect. And tell them, you are not either. Yes, yes, yes. So we are all striving to serve God. We are all striving to attain his image and his likeness. If the church was perfect, if the people in the world were perfect, because when you talk about the church, you're not talking about the building, you're talking about ecclesia, the people who have been called out of darkness. If they were perfect, Jesus could not have come to die on the cross for the world to be saved. If we were okay, God could not have sent his son to come and die on the cross for the church. He sent his son to die because we were imperfect and we are imperfect. We are striving to look like God. We are striving to look like Jesus. We are striving to serve the perfect God. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2. The Bible says, to the church of God that is in Corinth. To the church of God. This is the church of God. That is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be saints. To those sanctified. Somebody say sanctified. Somebody say saints. Now, Paul says to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be saints together. Now, the church of Corinth had a lot of issues. 
The church of Corinth is where we see a lot of infighting, sexual perversion, incest, homosexuality, fornicators, thieves, idolatry, drunkardness, strife. All these terrible things, we see them in the church that was at Corinth. Yet the Bible calls them those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be saints together. Paul saw these things in this church. He addressed them. He wrote letters to try and address all these issues. Like people were even committing incense in the church. You know, son sleeping with the mother in the church. And Paul looks at them and calls them people who have been sanctified. The saints of God. In other words, he was able to see what Christ has done for those people who are in that church and not just focusing on what they were doing. Because I am telling you the truth, people in church are doing crazy stuff. <laughs> huh? People in church are doing crazy stuff, but on Sunday you will not even know. Because they change their walk, they change their talk, and they change their, their dressing. That people are doing crazy stuff. But you see, we have an assurance in God that every time we run to him, we become sanctified. Every time we run to God, we are cleansed. Every time we run to God and ask for forgiveness, he washes our sins away. And by you being in the church, it is helping you. You might be doing some things, but not the way you used to do them. Lord, help me preach. Tell your neighbor, pastor is preaching about you, I'm telling you. It's not at the magnitude you are doing those things. Because something is happening day by day. Isn't it? Yes, something is happening. God is changing you. You used to drink every day. Since you came to church, you drink once a year. During Christmas. Something is happening. Tell your neighbor, something is happening in me. God is changing me. Isn't it? Yes. There are people here, you used to sleep with a woman every week. Now it's been three years. Hey. <laughs> Even when you look at yourself, you congratulate yourself. Say, Wow. I've been in the wilderness for seven years. Something is happening. God is working on you. Some of you used to fight every day. A day will not go without you fighting. If you don't fight, you pick up a fight before the day is over. You just have to fight somebody. Now it's been a year. You've not won. You are very peaceful. Your friends are even surprised. You have changed. You almost fought yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Tell your neighbor I'm being sanctified. Tell them again I'm being sanctified. Am I speaking the truth in this house? Yes, something is happening. And, and, and Paul takes time to call this church those sanctified in Christ and called to be saints together. So when, when, when we look at the church through the eyes of God, we can see that something is happening to the members, to the people who are in church. 
And when we look beyond all these problems and frustrations and the words and the issues that are, in the, uh, that are in the church, then our mindset about the church will change. The way we participate in church activities will change. The way we interact with one another within the church will change as well. And ultimately, we will truly and sincerely love the church. Amen. So why should we love the church? Number one, because it's a command. You should love the church because it is a command. Now for you to understand a command, you must be in a military barrack. You see, barracks are disciplined factories for soldiers. The main objective of the barrack is to separate soldiers from the civilian population and reinforce discipline, training, and a predico. That's a French word, which simply means a feeling of pride and mutually loyal and mutually loyalty shared by the members of a group. So it's to separate the soldiers from the rest of the civilian population so that you may reinforce discipline. You see, when you go to the barracks, sometimes you go there and you have a lot of airs and you have your, um, the way you see things or how things should be done. Uh, and when you get there, they start beating you down. They start molding you because they want to bring you to a place where you can obey commands. So you might go there feeling like, hey, we have joined the army. Yeah, we are the ones who are going to control this nation. When you get there, you realize things have changed. The moment you cross that gate, somebody begins to talk to you to tell you what time to wake up, what to eat, how many times you should run, how many press-ups you should do, and how you should stand. You can't stand like this. You have to stand straight. When your seniors are around you, how you're supposed to behave, how you're supposed to answer. You see, by the time they are done with you, <laughs> all your horns have been chopped. If you have a spouse who is giving you problems, okay, okay, let's just continue. And, and, and <laughs> so they train you to do what? To obey commands. Somebody say commands. They deal with your stubbornness. They deal with your pride, arrogance, and even slowness until you come to a place where you can actually take orders from your superiors. Why should we love the church? Because we've been given a command. And that command is in John chapter 13, verse 34 to 35. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. It is a command. It is a commandment that has been given to us to love one another. As I love you, I'm loving the church. As you love me, you are loving the church because I'm part of the church and you are part of the church. As we love one another, we are loving the church. You see, Jesus was talking to his disciples. We are the disciples of Jesus. He was talking to those who believe in him. We have believed in Jesus. And he was talking to those who had chosen to follow him. We have chosen to follow Jesus. And this commandment applies to us as well. We should love one another. The more we love one another, the more we love the church. Ask your neighbor, do you love me? 
You see, the word love has really been corrupted until you're not sure what your neighbor is asking you. But love is God. And Jesus here says, is this the Bible that I'm reading here? A new commandment I give you that you do what? You love one another. Not because you want to take somebody to bed. No. You can love with no strings attached. You understand what I'm saying? That's why you find it's difficult sometimes to use the word love even in church because when you just say love, somebody thinks about a bed. That's how low we have stooped. So low. When you tell somebody, I love you, say, hmm. Let's examine what he meant. Because our heads are corrupted. Our minds are corrupted. Our heads are dirty. Our hearts are dirty. We, f- we see wickedness in everything. The Bible says, to the pure, all things are pure. So if you're not pure, even when we tell you something that is pure, <laughs> you turn it upside down. Hey. Mercy, Lord. Hmm? When the pastor tells your wife, I love you, 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 you lose sleep. Huh? You will have a meeting with your, have, your, with your wife the whole night to explain the love. But the Bible just says, love one another. Love is pure. There's a difference between love and lust. Lust is, I love me, I want to use you. Love is, I love you with unconditional love. I see you the way God sees you. That's why you see that even romantic love on its own cannot sustain a marriage. Because all of us are selfish. Women are selfish. And men are selfish. Women are so selfish. And men are so selfish as well. Tell your neighbor, we are all selfish. Yes, because romantic, wo- romantic love is what I can get from you. Is what I can get from you. What, 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 what is in you that makes me feel some way? Now, if you stop making me feel some way, I will look for somebody to make me feel some way. That is how limited romantic love is. And romantic love cannot sustain a marriage. You will fall in love, but for you to stay in love, you need unconditional love. So turn to your neighbor and tell them, I love you. Oh, Lord. Some of you are still struggling. (laughs) Oh, Lord, have mercy. Hmm. So it's a command. Tell your neighbor it's a command. Jesus commanded, say, this is a new commandment I give to you. That you do what? You love one another. 
Hallelujah. For me as, a, as your pastor, I love you. You see, shouting it in a crowd is easy. But, but when I tell you to turn to your neighbor, hey, that's where things become complicated. But anyway, tell your neighbor we'll get there. Number two, why should we love the church? Because it is the right thing to do. You love the church because it is the right thing to do. You see, lawyers stand with their own. When one lawyer is found in trouble, all lawyers will come around, surround him, and try to, you know, make him look innocent. Doctors will stand with their own. You'll never see an, one doctor trying to fight, you know, another doctor. Soldiers don't leave their colleagues behind. Even if their colleague is shot and is dead, they will carry the corpse. They will not leave their colleague behind. The only group that I see killing its own is Christians. We kill one another. We destroy one another. We leave our wounded soldiers behind. Christians, I'm telling you, Christians can be something else. Let a pastor fall, you will see. He will be the someone the entire week. Instead of people feeling like, oh, one of our generals has been wounded, they will be celebrating. They will be happy. Am I saying the truth or not? Even the ones who've never commented anything on Facebook, that week, they'll become keyboard warriors. You know what keyboard warriors are? They'll be typing and making comments and quoting scriptures from the book of Revelation. <laughs> you see, loving the church is part of what it means to be a Christian. When I love you, it's what it means to be a Christian. It's the right thing to do. If you truly believe in the Bible, if you truly believe in God, if you truly believe, you know, in what Jesus came to accomplish on the cross, I'm telling you, then you have to love what God loves. If you have a robust relationship with God, loving the church will be something that flows out of your heart naturally. You will do it because it is the right thing to do. So, Christians, so-called Christians who hate the church, I really doubt if they love God. Because if you truly love God, you will know that loving the church is the right thing uh, to do. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8, the Bible says, finally, somebody say finally. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, Whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good, of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is any praise worthy, meditate on these things. Loving the church is being true to your faith. Loving the church is the noble thing to do as a Christian. Loving the church is lovely. Loving the church is just. Loving the church is praiseworthy. Loving the church is the manifestation of purity and virtue. Loving the church, ladies and gentlemen, it is the right thing to do. Are you a Christian? Hmm? Are you a Christian? Do you love God? If you truly love God, 
If you are indeed a Christian, then loving the church is the right thing to do. You understand me? It is something all the time. It's lovely. Something lovely is something beautiful. Loving the church is beautiful. It's wonderful. I'm telling you. It's nice. It's sweet. It's fantastic. Hallelujah. Yeah, you should be so passionate about the church because it's the right thing to do. When you know the right thing to do, you immerse yourself in it. Put your energy, your passion, your heart, your mind, everything into it because this is the right thing to do. Isn't it true? You see, that's why you see when we are joining people in a wedding because it's the right thing to do. When we tell them to kiss in front of us, they kiss. Yeah? Even so some of them feel shy, 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 shy. Eventually, you know, they kiss. Isn't it true? Yeah. And after they kiss, after a month, two months, three months, four months, the wife starts growing and she's not ashamed to show us her belly. Because even if we know what they did, They are not ashamed because they did the right thing. But if we didn't see you walking down the aisle and then you start growing, 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 when we start asking you questions, you'll be ashamed because you didn't do the right thing. That's why some of them leave. But there are some people leave because they have sinned and they want to cover their shame. So they go to another church where the pastor doesn't know them then they introduce themselves as husband and wife. <laughs> Tell me, but you see the way pastor knows us. He knows us. Hey, he really knows us. Yeah. But when you know you have done the right thing, it's fantastic. It is beautiful. Hallelujah. It is lovely. It's wonderful. I'm telling you. Glory to God. It's wonderful. Everybody knows that you got married. So you're not worried when your wife is growing. People even congratulate you. You tell them yes. Because you did the right thing. If you get a promotion because of hard work, you don't have to look over your shoulder. Because you did the right thing. You're confident. If you got some money because you worked hard or worked smart, you don't have to spend sleepless nights. But if you don't do the right thing, you will not sleep. Talk to me, somebody. I know of some rich people who don't sleep even in their houses. They sleep in the car. Yeah. I was given a story of a guy. Um, he was so afraid because he was not being engaged in very good deals when it comes to business. So one day, because he used to have lorries, his, his, his own drivers of the lorries came to the house to see him because they were coming to inform him because those days where they didn't have phones, they were coming to inform him that the, 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 the lorries have been stuck somewhere. When he had the knock, he used the back door and disappeared in a maize plantation. And the children did not see him again. Until after several days. And these were just drivers who had come to report. 
When you do the right thing, you're confident. So loving the church is doing the right thing. Tell your neighbor, do the right thing. Number three. Why should we love the church? To saturate the church with God's love. We should love the church so that we may saturate the church with God's love. Have you gone to a place where you sense that people don't want you there? I mean, as soon as people were laughing, giving each other height and high five, as soon as you entered, they changed. Everybody had a straight face. It's like you have intruded. They don't want you there. I mean, you, you, you not stay in such a place. If you go to a place where you sense hatred towards you, you don't want to stay in such a place. Isn't it true? I read a book entitled Divine Revelation by Divine Revelation of Hell by Mary X. Baxter some years ago. And she was taken to hell. And when she was taken to it was an experience that she was being taken, God was taking her to hell and then taking her out. Taking her to hell and then taking her out. So she was seeing different aspects of what hell is all about. And she's describing how hell is. When you read that book, you get scared. And emotionally draining to be in hell. Because when she got to hell, all she could hear were, were cries. People were crying. There was despair, blessedness. He could not feel love. The moment he stepped on earth, he could feel love. You see, many of you think that there is no love in the world. There is a lot of love in the world. You see, when you wake up in the morning and you go out and you meet lizards basking, and you're also basking, what is that? That is love. You are feeling the love of God. And that kasan in the morning, it's a beautiful sun. It's fantastic. When you breathe air in, fresh air, it's the love of God you're feeling. Many of the things that we have here on earth is an expression of God's love towards us. This woman says in her book that when she stepped into hell, she felt like there was no love there. It was a terrible place. Despair. People are crying. People are hopeless. They have reached a point of no return. They will be in that state forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. It will be non-stop. The pain will be non-stop. That is not a place you want to go. And so, you need to understand something about love. That God wants us to love one another so that the church may not be like hell. Because the church can be like hell. People come to fight. <laughs> people come to hate on each other. We've seen even in the news that there are people who go to church with crude, crude weapons. Just for the sake of emergencies. In case you need to use one. <laughs> you can defend yourself. The church can actually feel like hell where there is no love. So we must love one another so that we fill the church with love. This will be a church of love. This church will be filled with love. So tell you, help me fill this church with some love. Mm -hmm. 
So a church that is devoid of love feels this way. There's tension, you know. People feel like somebody's just about to take advantage of them. Somebody's about to steal from them. That's why, I mean, you can't even leave your phone on your seat. Somebody will just take it. And when the camera reveals the person who has taken it, you get shocked. See your friend who kissed you at the beginning of the service. Ask your neighbor, is my phone safe? With you around? One day, Portia. And when she went to the bathroom, she found earrings. There's somebody who had gone to the bathroom, I think, refreshed herself, and then she left the earrings uh, on the sink. So she took the earrings, and she was walking around asking, whose earrings were those? Are these your earrings? Are these your earrings? This your earrings. Please help me. If somebody has lost their earrings, I have them. And they were very expensive earrings. Let's just flip the picture. An ordinary Kenyan. <laughs> okay, let's go deeper. A Christian. Will a Christian do the same? Huh? Are these your earrings? <laughs> Is walking the entire airport. Are these your earrings? Are these your earrings? Will a Christian do that? Let's just not answer. Let's search our hearts. <laughs> what if you find something in church? Somebody's handbag? Somebody's phone? Will you go around and say, Is this your handbag? Is this your phone? Has anybody lost some money? Huh? Has somebody lost some money? The church is quiet today. What's going on? Some of you will start praising the Lord. Say, Lord, I came for my miracle. And before the service was over, you provided. Jehovah Jireh. Pastor Mary was in another country when she was doing business. And she was carrying some luggages. And she was trying to get a taxi so she can go to another city, buy some stuff, come back, and then put everything together, go to the hotel, and leave to come back to Kenya. And the person she was with, the person told Pastor Mary, leave your bag here. Nobody will touch it. Pastor Mary was confused. He said, please, did you understand my question? He said, yes, I understood your question. Leave your bag here. Nobody will touch it. She left the bag there. She went wherever she was going. She came back and she found the bag right there. Nobody had tampered with it. Leave the bag in the church. Will you find it? Ask your neighbor, if I leave my phone, just, I behave as if I'm not looking at it. Will I find it? You can see that the church doesn't have the love of God. We must love one another so that the church may be filled with the love 
of God. Hallelujah. Father, I pray that the city of transformation will be filled with the love of God. Can I hear louder amen here? Yes, that will not steal from one another. No, take advantage of one another. We will love one another. Why love? Is because love is what made God send Jesus to die for the world. Love is the foundation of the gospel and Christianity. Love is the foundation of Christian, a Christian's character as the fruit of the spirit and the glue that holds Christian relationships together. Love is the currency of godliness and therefore love should be the atmosphere in the church. Without love, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1 to 3, the Bible says, Though I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but have no love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy, I can prophesy, I can see people, I can see their ATM number, I can see their pin, I can see everything, everything they are wearing with the color and texture. And understand all mysteries and all knowledge. And so I have all faith so that I can remove mountains. But I have no love. I am nothing. And so I bestow all my goods to feed the poor. And so I give my body to be burned but have no love. It profits me nothing. Love is very important. And we must fill the church of Jesus Christ with love. So that when unbelievers come, they step into an atmosphere of love. They step into an arena of love. Hallelujah. Ask your neighbor one more time. Do you love me? If they are struggling to answer, we have not yet reached where we are supposed to reach. <laughs> The Bible says even if you speak in tongues and you don't have love, you are nothing. Even if you have faith that you can remove mountains and you have no love, you are nothing. Even if you have the gift of prophecy and you can prophesy the fifth <laughs> and you have no love, you are nothing. Love is everything. I say love is everything. I say love is everything. Ministry without love is nothing. Preaching without love is nothing. Prayer without love is nothing. Giving without love is nothing. We need to fill the church with love. Hallelujah. So that when we come out, when, 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 when we come from a, an environment that is hostile and we step into the church, we, we begin to feel the love of God. Glory to God. When you step into the church, you, you can breathe God's love. You can feel God's love. You can experience God's love. Hallelujah. Let me tell you something. Many of us are coming from very difficult backgrounds. Very difficult. Dysfunctional homes. And the word love is foreign to you. Very foreign. You don't even understand it. You don't know what love is. You don't know if it's feelings. You don't know. You're confused. You know, because you, you've never seen it. Your father never demonstrated it. Your mother never demonstrated it. There was hostility. Your, your home was, was a war zone. People were fighting. You know, fighting, shouting at each other, everybody for himself. 
God for us all. That's why you have the church. When you come to the church, a lot of things begin to change. Your perception, your per, uh, perception about many things in life, like love, begins to change. That's why we must fill the house of God with love. Hallelujah. I remember in 1993, I visited a family in the UK. And there's a dimension, there's an expression of love that they gave me that shifted my view concerning love. I came from a loving family, but there's a dimension. I think for them, they saw this is a black boy from Africa, a place where it's full of disease, uh, hunger, <laughs> civil wars, corrupt governments, and many things. So they went an extra mile to show me love. Let me tell you, I felt like I was on cloud nine. The way they received me. Took me to this house. I was living with a family. Um, with two boys. And they were calling me, you are our brother. Hey. And they could walk with me. Parade me to their friends. Say, look at our brother from Africa. Wow. A dark guy. <laughs> the mother of that home used to come to my room every night to give me a good night kiss. <laughs> huh? Things that I didn't see my mother do. Watoto, nisaya kulala imefika. She could literally escort me to my room. Yeah. I enter, she covers me, and she gives me a kiss. And I give, say, sleep well. Eesh. The way I used to tuck myself into that door. So I said, hey. This is another level. In the morning, she's at the door. Hey, Dazwe. Did you have a good night's sleep? Can I get you anything? I'm like, Lord God Almighty. Who is my mother? <laughs> then one day, she came and said, I've, I've, I've been washing your shirts. I've been washing your trousers. I've been washing your t-shirts. I've been washing your socks. But I don't see your innerwares. <laughs> and I said, I've been washing them myself. I said, no, 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 no. son. I'm going to wash them for you. I said, give me a minute. I close the door. <laughs> anyway, I can't tell you many things, but I only gave her the best. 
you understand what I'm talking about? <laughs> Let me tell you, I was so embarrassed. Then it's like, when she was washing them, she didn't like them. <laughs> My best was not good enough. She told me, let's go for shopping. She took me to this nice place full of all the types of undergarments. She told me, choose what you want. I was liberated from that day. You know, that is, a government, that is a government for an African that is very secretive. Very secretive. Yeah. We don't hang them anywhere. Under the bed, sleep on them. Yeah. Even we don't wash them during the day. <laughs> Zeph, are you okay with me? but you can see that her love. And she told me, look, you don't have to be embarrassed. You're my son. I love you. You don't have to hide anything from me. <laughs> I'm going to say mercy. May God bless you so that you may not be embarrassed in Jesus' name. Anyway, I was trying to share with you that I saw love on another dimension. That somebody is concerned with everything that has to do with you. So we have to fill the church with love. Somebody say love. Yes, love. Let's love one another and fill this church with a lot of love. When somebody steps into this church, they feel the love of God. Turn to your neighbor, tell them again, ask them again, do, 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 you, do you love me? What did they say? Number four, the last one. I gotta finish. Why we must love the church is because it is God's most precious possession on earth. It is God's most precious possession on earth. Love is God, that the church is God's most precious possession on earth. Acts chapter 20 verse 28, Therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. That's how precious the church is, that God actually purchased it with his own blood. Wow. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 to 20. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from, whom you have from God, and you're not your own? For you are bought at a price. Look at that. You are bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God. So you can see that the church is a precious entity in the eyes of God. And if it is precious to God, then that means God loves the church and it behooves us as his children to also love the church. What was this price? The price was God's only begotten son, Jesus Christ. 
He loved us to a point where he had to send his own son to die and to shed his blood so that we may be redeemed. The other day I saw a video of a man who was called by kidnappers and they told him, we have your wife. Say, uh-huh. So we want to give you instructions of what you're going to do. They say, okay, your wife is here with us and these are the instructions. We want you to bring uh, this amount of money. You have to pay ransom for her so that we may release her. So bring money, come alone, bring this amount of money. Don't call the police. Don't inform anyone. If we get to know you have called the police, we will kill her. They said, we want to repeat the instructions again. They repeated the instructions. We have your wife. Do you understand? He said, yes. We are in this location. We want this amount of money that you bring so we may release your wife. And if you mention to the police, and we know that the police are coming with you, we will kill your wife. I say, okay. When they hung up, the guy picked the phone and he called the police. He gave them all the details of where the wife is. And he told them, go now, quickly. And then when he hung up, he took champagne, switched on his jukebox, drank and started dancing. Why did he do that? It's because he was happy they were going to eliminate his wife for him. (laughs) Because the wife was problematic. And he was so happy that somebody is going to kill the wife and get rid of the wife for him. He did that because he didn't treasure his wife. If you are the one, will you call the police? Some of you call CID, police, special branch, military. Because you just want to make sure she does not survive. God loved us, treasured the church that he sent his own son, Jesus, to die. And his sacrifice reveals something about God, that he loves us and he loves the church. And if God loves the church, then we need also to love the church. The church is the most treasured possession of God here on earth. He treasures the church. He loves the church. That's why he sent Jesus to die on the cross. If God loves the church, then we must, we have to, we must love the church. Anything you treasure, you will love. If you treasure your children, you will love your children. If you treasure your spouse, you will love your spouse. If you treasure the church, you will love the church. Let's stand to our feet. Turn to neighbor one more time, ask them, do you love me? I love you, Lord, and I leave my voice 
to worship you, oh my soul, rejoice, take joy, my King, it's out in my ear. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord, and I leave my voice to worship you, oh, my soul, rejoice. Take joy, my King, in all you hear. Let it be a sweet, sweet song in your ear. I love you. You love me, we're all a part of God's family, agree. I pray for you, you pray for me, I love I won't harm you with words from my mouth. I love you. I pray for you. I pray. You pray for me. I love you. I need. I want house with words from my mouth. I love you. Sing it to your neighbor. I pray for you. I pray for you. You pray for me. I love you. I won't have you with words from my mouth. I love you. It is His will that every need be supplied. You are important. To me, I need you to survive. Yes, I do. Lift up your hands for a minute. Father, we pray. Fill this church with love. May we love the church passionately with all our hearts. 
with all our strength. It's the right thing to do. We are obeying your command. Help us and strengthen us that we may love the church. We may love one another. We may fulfill the new commandment that you gave us, oh God. Remove hatred, divisions, malice. Remove anything that will tear us apart. Remove everything, anything that will strain our relationship with one another. May we love one another, even as we love you. May we pray for one another. May we support one another. May we stand with one another. Thank you, Lord. May we love the church. Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can now get in touch with Dr. Dazutechero on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.